Welcome back, my children. It's the next episode of Frank Talks to Anyone. And today I've got my friend here, Jeff Curtis. It's his first time on a podcast. Hey, how's it going? How do you love the audio in your ears? Well, you know, it's like everyone says, I absolutely hate hearing myself talk. You'll get used to it. Yeah. You'll have to if you're going to be on any other podcast again. I know. <laughs> Anyways, Jeff, um, we just completed another summer in Vancouver and we had a nice season where we released marijuana into the public in Vancouver through legalization. And you actually work in this industry. So I'm curious for you to tell us about, first of all, the niche culture that you're in. So the, we sell like artistic bongs, if you want to just narrow it down to one mm-hmm. quick phrase. We, uh, we have over 30 artists in our shop, and we sell anything from $100 up to $25,000 that basically wow. for you to smoke out of. And uh, most of what we have is for concentrates. Um, with legalization, we're looking to expand into like the flower side of it, like big bongs and stuff that are artistic as well. But we'll get into that later. Okay, so let's t- tell me the story about how you started this, because I know you from the real world, where we are ticket sellers on the streets. The real world. When we were selling tourist tickets. To the fucking visitors who come to Vancouver in retirement or from Yeah, man, it was, what, 2013 when we met? Yeah, but I remember when you met, when we were hanging out at work, you would tell me about your ambitions. Oh, yeah. soon you pulled off one of the next ambitions, which was to start your own business. Like, how did you start that? So, basically, it's, it's a really long story. From, like, 2012, 2013 time, I met my girlfriend, now Vicky, that we run the company together, um... Like she does a lot of work. Like she's um, she's not on the podcast today, but she's yeah she she does a ton for the company for Boro and Beyond. So big shout out to Vicky. Yeah. So um, you guys have this business. Yeah. And so so we love in, in the partnership. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know like we we work really well together. We know each other. Like how we work. Uh, that's a really good dynamic. It's, that's what uh, like every psychiatrist it's, says it's is good really about a partnership. Hard. It is really hard though. Um, like you got to be really willing to like work with each other. There's a lot of you know. There's a lot of stories about. Um, people definitely not being able to make like a partnership with their partner work out. And it definitely like it's, it, it does have its challenges, but it's so rewarding as well at the right, same time. Right. But um, at the same time, yeah, no, we, we definitely like love killing it together. Like she does a lot with the company anyways, I could go on and on. Um, but we first started going into shops around 2012 um, looking for glassware basically so um around that time we were actually looking for canadian made it was just something that kind of popped into my head like why not i like i like buying local even since then and uh i wanted local glass and there wasn't there wasn't really that much it was all brought from international yeah it was some american artists a lot of um overseas imported like you know cheaper glass so um fast forward like we just said oh you know we we want to open our own bong shop together like that was pretty soon after we kind of met like that we wanted to open up some kind of business together right and it was really like you know kind of just standard didn't really want to set ourselves apart and then we started getting more and more frustrated we couldn't find canadian glass i was like you know screw it we're gonna open up a place that only sells canadian glass and like nothing else and we were met with a lot of doubt from a lot of people, um, like a lot of people. But, you know, we just we said... How you know, did you connect with, uh, with the artists here in the city? Like Instagram is a huge... Is that how it platform. all started? Or did you like hang out with some of these dudes before? Or was it... Did you find them online? Um, so in 2012, I started going to a dispensary, Eden, that was around um, on Pender Street. And they had a lounge as well where they actually uh, let glass blowers set up a small little workbench in their main floor and then do glass work. Okay. And one of the glass artists um, I met there, he moved to, um, it was called Clockwork Studios at the time. And I, you know, went 
to Clockwork to hang out with him. And then I met... Is that like the main studio right now? They don't exist anymore. Oh. Um, They just... uh, All the artists that kind of put in together for the shop just kind of went their separate ways and they're doing their own thing right now, but... So it's no longer... They're no longer... Is there another shop anywhere where people... Yeah, there's a a popular... There's like an active community that gets together like that every day or... Um, it's quite fragmented. Or are most people going into like self, like from their homes? So there's a little bit of that, like working from home in the garage. Um, and then there's a bunch of people that might get together and open their own studio, similar to what clockwork might have been. Bunch, right. A bunch of artists share the rent and the, the utilities for the place. And then um, there's a place called The Hub on Cordova Street, and they're like an active full on on pipe making artist studio where they um have people renting bench space by the day or by the month right um so there's that but um it's quite fragmented i would say there's not a whole lot of um there's more community do you think it'll grow more with legalization like suddenly there's going to be way more glass blowers no i think it's generally going to stay the same of what it what it is there's always people that want to learn and start and become a glass artist but it's generally i found that uh there's a lot of the same artists that are they're getting quite good right um, and there's not a lot of new artists like brand new artists in the game Hmm. um but that's just kind of what i've observed in the last little bit so the government hasn't incentivized it yet that much um well i guess it's separate from like it's an artifact not the actual drug (laughs) well that's the thing because it's always associated with like paraphernalia well it is paraphernalia right but i mean it's always associated with some you know level of uh degeneracy so people might not always um want to do mainstream advertisements or right you can't use like the machine as good because you're it's not allowed on like social ads and yeah exactly like we get we get denied by instagram so you guys have to rely on the community more than having to find new customers through ads it's more it's more it's not necessarily relying on the community but it's relying on organic growth in social media right from uh, owning an account that displays a lot of photos that's what your instagram does how many followers do you have right now uh close to ten thousand. that's a good number dude yeah and you have it in your portion of the niche in the long tail mostly because I would imagine you have a lot of random followers, but you probably have most people who are interested in what you do. They're not following you for some random, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So you have Yeah, a lot of our sales do come from Instagram. It's definitely like a, it's an important platform. Yeah, you're putting your eyes in the type of people that are going to actually buy stuff off of you. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of upset with Instagram for how they treat the cannabis community and how they ban a lot of people and they delete photos if they get like you can't make just, ads, right? Yeah, and, and but it's just people's accounts are getting deleted too. And it's, oh, a, that sucks. Like Instagram's Instagram's a really important platform, I think, for the cannabis community and the glass community to connect with each other and because it's so visual too. Yeah, like, when and, we were just talking about. Uh, different pipes and stuff like that like i can't talk about it that much like you you have to see like what the art looks like and yeah you know what i'm saying yeah if you if you want to see an example of what we have you just yeah you can go to borrow and beyond yeah you guys have some of those pieces that are like it's not just a pipe dude it's like like that alien dude and his hands are like orbs rotating you guys remember that guy yeah actually what's uh, his name uh his name's terp and uh, it was actually an australian collector came and um purchase that piece can you describe it dude to me it looked like this alien dude who had like glass power that rolled around in his fingers and it all looked so sim. what was there was like a main like a square cube that it like rolled around in his hands oh so it was uh it was a dna strand that spun in his uh, in his between exactly his hands. i couldn't remember what it was and there was um that's intricate like that's really intricate and there's a cube in its compared head. to what you would think a normal bong looks like there's a there's actually a cube in his head too that spins when you pull on the piece. So right. When you pull air through it, it just yeah. There's two spinners on. Yeah, that. like that's really intricate. And you said you sold it, right? Yeah. So it was an Australian collector came all the way to Canada to to pick it up. Nice. Does is Australia hasn't legalized? I no. Don't think. 
He said he's gonna, you know, he, he's gonna store like help, like will help him store the piece while he goes back to Australia because he says that he does not want that piece to get smashed by the, the border guards, and he, gar- right. he guarantees it'll probably get smashed by the border oh, guards. Oh so man, could, that would I, suck. Could not imagine. That would feel like pain if you saw that. How long does a piece like that take to be made? Weeks, at least. Because it's like it looks so detailed. Weeks. For it's sure. not just a piece of glass that came out of the fire and molded, and it's like. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a lot of it's got a it's like it's you know it's glass with moving parts. It's it's got a lot. Would of, you say learning the skill of glass blowing to that level would take like? So both the artists. I think they've been working about 14 years each. Okay, so, that's that's a lot of time. So they, got, so they got about 28 years between them. So it's just the two artists. Right. So they can they have the skill level to get down to the, the tightest details and use all these different connections. Like to me it looks so intricate. It's cool. Yeah, it's super intricate. Okay, so how does your industry right now or your section, your niche market feel about legalization in Canada right now? Because I know that concentrates aren't going to be legalized until next year. Right. So um, are you guys nervous at all or you're just like waiting it out? It's honestly, it's people that want the concentrates know who to go to. Um, it's a So lot that of, black market is it's, flourishing. It's surviving and thriving. It's still it's still around. There's still the key players in, right. in that market from what I'm I've... I'm pretty sure a lot of dispensaries that are legal probably still are, sell concentrates. There are <laughs> Technically, there are no legal dispensaries. Even the legal ones are, right. not, are not legal. But there's a few that are downtown that had a municipal right. license before, right. and the city's not doing anything about it. Right. So, so they remained still, open. So they're contravening. Like not- and I'm pretty sure they still sell concentrates. Yeah, they definitely do. They're just, um, you know, they just, they, they have, don't really have any concerns about it. They're just right. going to keep riding the wave until they can. Right, because I'm pretty sure it. they have a municipal license. VPD's not doing anything about it. Right, but um, the problem is now in, in the future, if they do want to have any involvement with the legal market, they, they might not be allowed in because they're contravening the rules. And then. Right, they'd have to have like an auditor who went into your place and said, whoa. You didn't follow the rule. You sold concentrate. Well, no, they they just they just straight up opened up shop when it wasn't. They didn't get their their dispensary license yet, which is so slow. It's such a long process right now. The government is not making right. Is that one in Kamloops still the only one that opened in this province? Yeah, we're, we're talking about the con- the province who has BC Bud named after it, which has like a historical <clears throat> precedent behind it, and the province was only able to open one store. Really far away from Vancouver, which is the capital. So if you think about it, the only dispensaries that are open right now are the ones that uh, say fuck it. Exactly. So they and they don't really care about the rules. And also it's just uh, there's the one dispensary in Kamloops. Um, and it's kind of funny that the only dispensary is in the middle of like, you know, just no, so, nowhere. Pretty yeah. Much. Some random town. I mean, Kamloops isn't that random, but it's just so out there. You know, there's no, there's not, there's no population. Vancouver's the epicenter. This is where we have like the 420 rally, and there's always random fucking social like rallies against it. Yeah, but like, are people I, rallying in Kamloops? Is that why they got their dispensary first? <laughs> well, I don't know. You just gotta, you gotta take it with a grain of salt, and just remember it's like it's the, you know, it's the provincial government that is dealing with this and. They're just kind of, kind of winging it. Yeah, and then what? You know, they'll fix it as they go, kind of thing. I feel, we feel like, but um, I mean, you got to start somewhere, I guess, right? Right. Um, so, do you guys get a lot of artists who come visit Vancouver, like uh, from California? Because I'm guessing they have big artists out there because the industry's been around longer, um, and it's just more dense. Like don't they don't gonna... really come out here. They just they've got a lot going on in California already. Do you think that's going to cross pollinate? Like some of our guys, some of your guys would get good enough here to like be sponsored at an international level or some shit. There's only really like one guy that's doing that at the moment. He, really? Yeah, and he's he's the guy that does like that alien piece. And oh right, so he has like what? Does he have a million followers? No, he's got like about twenty thousand followers on Instagram. Oh shit. <laughs> I thought it'd be like a million. I guess people who get in a million are like 
pop stars and shit or people get random followers yeah i think i think instagram might make it difficult for people with like pipe making or cannabis instagrams to like you still get, get a big scale though like twenty thousand followers nothing to laugh at <laughs> that's a lot of people that are watching your shit every day true if the algorithms are nice to you i was just gonna say yeah what if instagram like slows down your visibility just because this is related to marijuana <laughs> we're an american company at a federal level that is still illegal <laughs> yeah i feel bad for all those people that go across the border and like, oh, i smoked weed once okay sorry you can never come back to the united states i wonder what happened i just watched the third episode the third season of narcos and it was about weed at the beginning so it was the first cartel that popped up in mexico in the 80s and they grew the biggest weed field the earth has ever seen that you could see it from space and apparently was worth like five billion dollars a month worth of weed. This is in the eighties. Yeah. Like think about how vast when they do a shot of it in the in the in the T V show, it's just such a vast, never ending field of weed. And the storyline they use is that the guy who grows it was one of the first ones to say that you separate the female and male weeds and you get like less cross pollination or something. And that's what gives you like the big THC in the buds. Yeah. And the, that's the narrative they use. And then they start selling that. And eventually they grow into the biggest cartel in Mexico and start selling cocaine from Colombia. But it started with that weed story. So do you think we're going to have like industrial weed here at some point? It's already being made, actually. It, it is. There's like Canada's pretty much corporate huge, weed, right? There's huge companies making like just not the best weed. Is there going to be like an Amazon of weed, or do you think Amazon will take the weed? Um, <laughs> oh my god! No, no I think that uh, Amazon might help. Like, I don't think Amazon. Dude, imagine. No, no, no. Just <laughs> hold on. Um, you can already order online from these um, from the BC Cannabis Store. I have uh, a story about that. Uh, well, tell. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't ordered from that, but I read online an article about a guy who's talking about government how they mailed him his weed and first of all it felt like he got a shipment of ikea for like 30 grams which isn't that much like he said when the canada post packages showed up he just had a pile of boxes then you open the boxes and there's just like a small little bit like what the the scale is completely off yeah second of all you open the weed and it's got stems and seeds seeds like yeah like i don't think honestly uh probably not seeds but stems for sure yeah like probably a big huge fat like tree trunk stem right it's just not it's not cut nicely and And it's not cured properly and it has too much stick to weed ratio that the whatever they scaled for you isn't really correct if it has a big stem in the middle so people are saying like the government's just fucking this shit up they gotta allow a little bit of private shops to open up because otherwise, like, is it the demand's higher than the supply? Honestly, this yeah, this, that's another thing is they haven't market, met it yet. This <laughs> whole legal market thing is like it. They just fell so short, and it's like it's driving a lot of business in the in the black market side that they're trying to take away from that. And it's like it weed right now. I know so many people that can get me really, really, really good weed, but like. You can get a selection for like 10 different companies from the BC Cannabis store. And maybe one of them might just basically meet my my demands. And it's going to be, you know, almost double the price of what I pay. Right. And you appreciate high quality. Right. And to me, I feel like um, the quality that's being put out to dollar ratio from the like the government store is not at the level that I want it to be at yet to actually right. support that. But I think once the market is flooded, prices are going to go down. It just happens in every city. Well, fortunately we have some really good friends that are working in the, the micro micro grow, um, department of grow. what's a micro grow. So, um, it's class. I'm not sure what the actual criteria is, but it's a smaller grow or they have, uh, more attention to detail. They have better um, procedures because they're able to pay more attention to the plants. You know, they don't have, fuck, what is it, like a 10 football field facility like some of these um, these LPs do. Like they got like automated, um, you know, 
uh, everything, right? Um, okay, so they're not with, going for scale; they're <clears throat> going for quality, probably. Then, yeah, it's quality over quantity. It's like you know, it, it, it's like buying micro grow beer. Besides, like Molson's or something, you know, you buy micro. Did I say micro grow beer? <laughs> yeah, hey, maybe that'll be a beer someday. <laughs> micro grow beer. Actually, you know what? That's a that could be a cool new business. Right but, here, after I grow it, I distill it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like micro brew um, is generally a lot better tasting you get a lot more variety you get a lot more um uh, customization yeah and there's a lot more techniques that you can apply whereas like big mass produced beer it's just like here's one kind of beer and here's like you know a million forty. this one will get you fucked up at scale (laughs) yeah um so in in essence when you see micro grow um like weed it's going to be a lot better um and for some reason, um, I feel like it's going to be almost a better price. I hope mm. than the if there's not too much tax on it, right? But I just I hope that the prices are going to be better than what they are now because the when the big companies fear competition as well, that'll drive the prices down of like the the crappy right. weed, and then I feel like the like both sides will follow suit. But once. Once you get more of the micro grow stuff, it's going to get more saturated. And I feel like the prices are going to come down and people are going to have more options. And because uh, we know some people that are trying to get into the micro grow um, atmosphere once it comes out, like when the provincial government starts allowing micro licenses. Um, we just hope that soon because we would like to support the, the legal side of things. But from what we can compare it to from you know a month before legalization the the weed is you know five times better at the minimum compared to what i've i've seen from the legal side of it okay okay i haven't tried legal weed yet i don't think i haven't either i've um i haven't smoked it actually you know what that's not true somebody did roll a joint of it one time and showed us could you taste the legalness inside of it Ooh, this feels good oh my god it was it did not it it burned it burned almost black it feels like i'm in a safe space because the law is on my side it's it's like we we were happy to smoke like our i guess quote-unquote illegal stash because the the legal stuff it just burned so black and it was so gross and it tasted like fucking rubber gloves really yeah <laughs> apparently so let's talk about the different provinces so canada has provinces you guys if you're listening from the u.s or some crazy shit and the different provinces have in my understanding the power to decide their own laws to an extent to an extent, the federal government probably sets some primary laws like age. No, actually, that's up to the province. Oh, province. Ding, ding, wrong, wrong. So, uh, like, Alberta is 18. So, you, if you're in Alberta and you're 18, you can carry cannabis. But if you come into BC and you're carrying cannabis, you can actually get a fine. And, oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I've seen some of the fines that have showed up on social media. So, one guy said he got caught driving high in one of the provinces. I forget. I want to say... Somewhere in Winnipeg, maybe. Dude, you'll, you, regardless, you'll get fucked. He got a $2,500 fine. Oh, shit. I don't know if they kicked him out of his car for a few weeks they or if the, it was did. just a fine. It, it was probably also a roadside. Okay, do you think it's a DUI-level crime? Um, I don't think it should be, but... I think a couple provinces, because based on the traffic, it, it's province-based, so... I don't know Manitoba that well, um, but I feel like they could impose criminal charges like like some places drinking and driving. But I know in BC, it's a traffic-related offense, so you actually it's more driver rehabilitation rather than actual criminal charges. So they'll, they'll give you like, well, fuck, what is it, like a three- or five-month suspension, and then they'll make you attend some fucking classes, and then... Right, you know, but it's they'll make you the watch thing. government ads about non smoking <clears throat> for hours. Thing. Not that I'm admi- <laughs> not that I'm admitting or advocating about smoking and driving. I'm just right. I'm just saying that when police test people, they cannot uh, like based on tolerance levels, they cannot understand um, intoxication versus impairment. Like, right, there's no test that will tell um, you this guy has been smoking also, for so long. And, and there's, there's medical patients that can smoke that, that legitimately don't feel high because, you know, it could just be helping with their pain or their suffering. And um, it just brings them back to normal. Yeah. And then um, 
or that their tolerance is so high. People with the super high tolerances can, you know, they can smoke and drive, um, you know, after, after waiting a little bit after smoking, cause the effect, uh, the impairment effect goes away pretty quick or doesn't, if you don't smoke enough, doesn't come on at all. Like, but also my other argument for the whole, the whole matter is, is that if you get way too high, like I guarantee if I was, if I never smoked before, and I smoked a lot and I got too high, I would know that I'm too high to drive. I right. Would, I would not get behind the wheel. Like, there's been times where I've just been like, you know, like, um, again, not admitting that I smoke and drive, of course, but, <laughs> um, but like, there's been times where I've just smoked and dri- uh, smoked and told myself, like, there's absolutely no way I could even fathom driving right yeah. now. Yeah. And then, um, but you know, like an, a couple hours later, like I'm, I don't feel really intoxicated or impaired anymore, and it's just like I don't, you know, you don't feel the effect anymore. You just you're okay to go. But like you know, you hit the bong too hard, or you take a dab that's too big, or you know, you have too much. Yeah, you have a, edibles. Edibles are one of those things. Okay, that like, that's that, that can like, leave you fried for a long yeah, time. If you, yeah, that's the thing. Like if you take too many edibles, like that's the one reason why I don't eat edibles. If you let's say you got to drive somewhere and then all of a sudden the edibles hit you and you ate way too much then it's just like it's like the stories you hear of like people who don't ever touch marijuana like i read one story recently of two cops who busted some sort of grow up or whatever and And they they found brownie they ate the edibles thinking like oh i've never tried this before i think was one of the quotes i'm just gonna eat a little bit of it got too fried and i think i think it was like a candy bar setup yeah. So you're only supposed to eat like one piece, but they thought it was just a small candy bar type thing. So they ate it anyways. And then they went out to like do other missions of their police work. <laughs> and apparently they were just like an hour later, they were so high at the scene and they're like, I need to go to the hospital. And they took them to the hospital and they had to like tell them what happened. And these are police officers, <laughs> but isn't that a funny story? <laughs> like nothing happens to them. They just get too high and they're like, oh my God, I have to go to the hospital. Fuck. What a waste of public resources. (laughs) So you just switched to an online model of service for your company. What was that change like? Because you had had a shop for like two years, was it? Three. Three years. I would go hang out there a lot. Right near Granville Island and shit. But uh, what made you go online, you think? Um, it was a combination of things. Um, it was the fact that we wanted to, um, be able to deliver our glass directly to people. Uh, there's a lot of people that would come from, you know, a few cities away and, um, they would basically say, you know, like, oh man, I would love to have this delivered to my place. Oh, right. Uh, And that kind of gave us some ideas. There was a few uh, deliveries we did from our shop from within Vancouver. Like there's a couple dispensaries where they uh, purchased glass from us and we would actually bring the glass to the dispensary that um, they ordered from. Right. So we would, you know, we would do a few of those, but um, now we're able, we've got more freedom to do it as a, like a, on a consistent basis. And there's a lot of customers that are taking advantage of that. Um Another reason why we kind of moved is because we're kind of outgrowing the space. Right. It's, it was only 750 square feet split between two floors, so there's not a whole lot um, of wiggle room for, uh, you know. Right. Events. It was kind of small. It was cozy. Yeah. It was like... It yeah, was very it was, nice looking, though. It was cozy. It was like a nice white wall, wood floor gallery with, um, you know, with the ample space. It was... I mean, it was... When it was wide open, you could fit probably like 30 to 40 people upstairs. Right, but, right, uh, standing. Yeah, but, um, you know, even that kind of got a little bit um, a little bit much sometimes. I thought maybe it was a little bit too much. Okay, so building. now I understand that you... We saved a lot of overhead right, by, by moving. That's that another thing. We'll talk about that after. But uh, So first you started in retail, now it's online. What do you think is the future? Now that we have... Now that we have cannabis legalization starting and the rules are probably going to get looser so people can start doing more social activities together. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the future is going to be like? Like, Are we going to have cafes at some point where I can stop in for a double espresso and a microdose of something so I'm not too high but I can just smoke a little bit? So our goal is like eventually we want to have a lounge. Right. And uh, with the lounge space, we can intertwine the gallery with the lounge. And uh, basically, that'll just kind of, it'll bring in a nice 
uh, different crowd. Um, and, um, basically with that, it's, uh, you know, people that'll enjoy the glass aspect of it as well as they'll enjoy the, um, the, the, you know, smoking dabs, vaporizing. Well, we might have like, we might have like a coffee bar or something as well inside the, inside the, the lounge. And, um, I, I don't think we're going to be in like too terribly interested in just having a straight gallery space like we had. Right. Um, we're just going to have you know, our, uh, our lounge and, uh, kind of bring people together more with an event space right. that's mixed with the glass. Um, because in that sense we can, there's a real future for this kind of space here because, uh, the government hasn't been too lax with where you can smoke. Yeah. It's honestly, we, we need to talk to like the city of Vancouver counselors and I would love to do that. I don't get involved in act politics too much, but well, we would love to have you on board. Let's write them a letter or show up and be like, Hey, I didn't vote, but you have to listen to my idea. Cause I'm a fucking citizen. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> well like, yeah, I mean we can, there's a lot that we can do. Um, and we can figure that out, but in general, I feel like, uh, there's a lot that, there's a lot more that we can do that like we can attend a lot more events now that we don't have the space we can uh put on events more that we don't have the space uh there's a lot more glass shows like we're actually having a glass show on the 16th of december uh the event space is to be announced but there's uh it's going to be like a carb cap show for dabs and whatnot right what's a carb cap explain it to the audience so you have uh you have your your nail your uh it's made of quartz and you heat that up let it cool down to you know a, a healthy temperature of about 600 to 700 degrees. That's hot. Yeah, it's pretty hot. <laughs> um, it's usually around 1,000 degrees once you're done torching it. You let it cool down to about six to 700 degrees, drop your dab into your bucket-shaped quartz nail, and then you put a um, what's called a uh, carb cap or just a cap on top, and then that um, with airflow through it, and that'll create like a, almost like a vacuum. It'll vaporize a lot faster at a lower temperature, so you can get more vapor with better right. fl- with better flavor because when it's too hot um uh, it, it can actually be like not that great for you um how do the artists uh make these carb caps look does it usually look like it accompanies the piece right or can you get it customizable you like- get it customized they can come in any shape size uh color um does the style of the art on it change if it's like if they want it to look like it's a part of the piece it's a part yeah right kind of like having a flower bowl that matches a piece okay let's take a quick break and we'll be right back all right we're back um jeff let's talk about the opportunities that there's going to be now that legalization has started let's start with the first one do you think there's going to be schools that teach what you guys do what you learned at an entrepreneur level do you think people are going to be able to learn how to grow cannabis from a school glass blowing from a school or even what you do, own a business from a school. Okay, let's start out with the first one, and that's how to grow. Yeah, that so sort of the... we we like. I personally have no experience um, with growing, besides like you know the four. Like I grew f- four plants in my girlfriend's closet when we were going to school. Yeah, um, kind of thing. Um, but besides that, I have no idea how to grow. But I know there are schools there was a school um pre-legalization i think it was langara or Quantlin. no i i don't honestly i don't even know it's one of it's either langara or Quantlin. i always get those two mixed up but um they were offering a like it was more or less an online grow uh grow, no it was yeah it was growing and like business management related to lps and like all that kind of stuff okay so they um, started their own curriculum curriculum that touches all those things yeah um which was uh they basically that was more or less if you wanted to work for an lp it would help you um enter into it that shows i'm educated and that i finished something i have i have a growing certificate from a from a college would it be better to just go work at one of these new companies that started and just learn from honestly inside? there's a there's a lot of really good companies that pay really good money and that offer, you know, uh, benefits, full-time work, um, the ability to advance really fast, um, learning opportunities. Like there's one of my, the list goes on. One of my friends works for Coca-Cola and he says like next door, he saw that a big new cannabis 
supplier was uh, hiring. So they had signs up and I think they paid like 20, 25 bucks an hour to yeah. work in their facility. Like, do you think it'd be better to just go work there instead of going to school? Um, or would that honestly, teach you a different thing though? Cause you'd honestly, be learning. Everybody's different. It really depends on what you want to do. But, um, really like if you want to get into being like in that, like you don't really, I don't think, I think you just need like a high school education and, just kind of go work and, and learn just lucky that, that you get picked because I think there was a lot of people that applied for those kinds of jobs. Right. Like I've got, I've got a few friends, um, and clients actually that work for Aurora. Um, is that one of the bigger ones? Yeah. It's one of the biggest, uh, cannabis companies and like they get really good pay and really good advancement opportunities and benefits. And it's, it's a really good company to work for if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but like me personally, you know, I don't, work for another company it's kind of me and vicky on our own yeah i met this girl in toronto and she worked for licensed producers and just think about somebody who was like a regular business graduate but still has the same look like works in business but now it's been adopted into like a corporate feel yeah it's really it's a really good place to work um at most lps if that's what you're into it's just it's kind of just like your standard corporate office to be honest just the product you're dealing with is cannabis right i wouldn't mind going to just learn a little bit see what it's like um yeah but um what was the original question uh so what do you think do you think schools are going to develop out of this now because it's going to be a booming industry uh yeah because we've already seen some schools i like i I forget what the the schools are even even in california there's like webinar classes on like hash chemistry and there's um hash making courses there's growing courses there's like kind of like, i feel like to learn how to grow though you would have to have like a there's like test a, subject so what if the school facilitates the space to learn how to grow a good well there's there's like master growers that just they have their own materials they come in they do a demonstration there could just be like pop-up workshops like that right. like that's kind of more or less what we see is like even at weed conferences like at sfu or at ubc sorry um there's growers that will even come with plant material and they'll do demonstrations on growing and the best methods and what you should and shouldn't do and all this other stuff to like maximize your yield. So there's like, there's besides these courses at colleges and universities, there's a lot of one-on-one workshops with small groups and the the growers. Um, But that's kind of more what we've been seeing lately. Yeah. I feel like you'd want to learn from somebody who's known as a master more than a a ski. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was the next question? Uh, what do you think the future of the glass industry is going to be like here in Vancouver now that everything's sprinkling up? Are you uh, are you pro or are you like? Honestly, I don't think it's going to change a lot. There's the collectors that have already been collecting. Um, we might see more people that are investing in art um, that wouldn't normally see this as an art. If you form. think about it from like other industries like uh the coke trade by like cartels and stuff like that, those people are known to buy expensive art, expensive cars, well, probably expensive just, platters for their drugs. How about we just uh So have, maybe you guys are just, next. How about we just make the comparison with like uh with like let's say rich businessman. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I watched Narcos last night so I was going for the funny, but exactly. Uh, We're getting the corporate feel People in corporate Canada, I'm sure, buy fancy shit. So let's let's use an example. Like, super rich guy works for um, you know um, an LP, right? This guy came from the liquor industry, and he's been an executive in a liquor company for right. a long time. He's now smoking weed with his friends because the, he's now in the weed industry, right? Or right. because he he he's one of the executives in a, a weed company, so. He might be wanting to, you know, flex on people with really nice glass and really nice right, art accessories. And, and this is and this is one of those things that now you can use. You smoke out of something that's, you know, over a thousand dollars. That makes a statement, right? Like you have a wallet or a belt right. or a pair of I'm shoes. I'm in the or, industry, bro. Believe yeah, it. Exactly. So it's kind of one of those things that, um, it's it's kind of interesting that in the gray market or the black market now, um when people would before and now um it's al- almost like earns trust if you if you have a, a really nice piece and someone doesn't know you and you just send them a picture of a really nice piece that you own 
and like the other guys in the weed industry, he's going to recognize that like you're, you know, you're deep into the, the industry, right? Right, right, right. Um, and then now that's catching on with the legal side of things and people are buying it, you know, from these companies, they're buying them from, you know, regular companies because now it's just not as stigmatized as it used to be. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. That's cool. Um, but in all as well, there's a lot of people that are going to be looking for well-priced, locally made flower bongs, like big, tall beaker bottoms and straight right. tubes that are artistically made. And these are going to be people that, you know, just never smoked weed before or did it a couple times in high school. And now they got just got their first order from the BC Cannabis Store and they're looking for something locally made. Um, and we're basically here to help them get that. Right. That's beautiful. <laughs> the Canadian dream, dude. But now it's legal. People can feel so much more comfortable now, too. Like, well, I mean, maybe you can feel comfortable smoking it as long as you're not by a school or playground. I mean, not that you, right? Not that you go to your way to smoke in front of a playground or a school, anyways. Um, they just made it a lot more, like a lot more penalties for people that do it. And uh, right, so like they did strengthen the laws and other things yeah, that makes it. Om- in some parts, it's more relaxed. In some parts, it's a heck of a lot more strict it's kind of it's kind of brutal in some areas some places are saying you can smoke anywhere that you can smoke cigarettes that's pretty much the way it is here it's that's just, nice it's just uh, a little bit more restrictive with not in front of schools and playgrounds and other places Man, as long as they're not like arresting people even if they do infractions like that okay give them a fine that's probably what it's going to be it's probably but, be like a 500 dollars fine though something yeah. ridiculous like that yeah do you think if the conservatives come back we're going to go to like three strike laws <laughs> Um, honestly, I think they've threatened that they're going to try to dismantle legalization if they win the next election. I think it's, I don't think they'll have the power to do it. They probably have to go to referendum again. Yeah. So they probably have to inherit it and deal with it. Maybe they'll get a little more tough, a little more tough and a little more tough on drugs, even though they're legal. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. The politics isn't for me i just hope we have a nice culture like kind of like a sim- similar to amsterdam where you can have a cafe you can hang out That'd be nice, in right? a mellow area how nice would it be for us to have just like a you know a, a lounge with the glass all around and have a barista with a really nice coffee bar yeah, right there have... i just want to go hang out like sometimes i don't want to go to a bar and get shit faced every night like I can still go hang out <laughs> every night. <laughs> I don't just even, a few nights. No, I just feel that's what we incentivize here because that's what's open late. Like, yeah. imagine if instead of deciding to go get drunk with your buddies, instead you just went to hang out at a lounge. Like, you have way less health effects. I think you're not gonna be hungover the next day. You're not gonna have all this shit building up in your body from alcohol. Like, and everybody will be calmer, dude. Like, nobody's gonna get into bar fights. Yeah, we've had events like. Uh... We hosted a mansion party in September. Yeah, I was there. I was a security uh, detail. Yeah, you were good. Um, But we found that, like, we had so many people there, and, like, everyone was stoned, and everyone was having a good time, and it was was awesome. Like, like you saw the vibe was awesome, right? Right. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't even imagine anybody in that crowd getting into fights. Like, it was great. Exactly. It was so peaceful. I didn't hear anybody get angry at any point. Everyone was just having a great time. Nobody yelled. Nobody puked anywhere. No. Like it was such, it was a clean event. Yeah. And you did it in a cool mansion. So like props on you. Thank you. And uh, so what's, what about, okay. Remember that idea we had a while ago? We didn't pull through because it's kind of scary to do it right now. But uh, weed tourism, what do you think the future is going to, we both have worked in tourism. It's so, it's so weird right now. There's honestly, I feel like there's so much red tape around, um, yeah, like I feel afraid to get into it right now because imagine you have your little startup of a tour company and you're driving on a bus and suddenly you get pulled over by RCMP and they're like, why is there cannabis in the bus? So we're a fucking weed tour company. The driver's not stoned, but the RCMP is like, fuck it. There's open weed in the car. Kind of yeah, like open liquor. I don't liquor. know. I don't know what the laws are yet about that. So. It would be, be cool like if they allowed it with the driver like partition. You if know, he, Van- he has if, his own separate door kind of thing. Maybe I haven't looked it up, but if Tourism Vancouver releases like some sort of guideline for how to have a tourism business related to marijuana, I might consider going into that at some point. Cause that would be cool, but... The thing is, is they don't really, I don't think they're interested right now in, in tackling the idea of weed tourism until the government. I hope so, though, because I'm pretty sure Americans would be into it. 
a lot more than just even Americans will be into it. Oh, every visitor, dude. There are just going to be people that are curious. Yeah. This... But, okay, so here's something I read recently. <laughs> uh, a lot of countries, now that Canada is one of the big Western countries that decided to legalize, there's other company, or other countries that are going to be looking at doing the same. In South America, for example, they can grow weed all year because of the beautiful sunlight. Ooh. Over the equator, like in Colombia, and Peru, Brazil, Venezuela, you can probably you grow know, outdoor um, weed all year long. You know, we're not the only ones that have legalized. I know, I know. But I'm saying that we're influencing the world because one of the countries that's like seen as like the beacon of democracy way up north above the United think, States. Do you think that the United States will ever federally legalize? Yeah. Weed, yeah. Other drugs... No, no, no. I don't know. I, I don't think Canada will even do the same. So what do you think is the time? Like, give, give me an estimate right now. Let's let's bet five bucks on this. When? <laughs> okay, 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 you're who, on. Whoever can guess the highest without going over. Um, so whoever's the closest to the date or what? Or like how many years? So like I'm, I'm probably going to go ahead and say like five years. Wow, that's close. Maybe... I don't know. It's five, five. Okay, what year? Are we? We're in twenty eighteen. We're about to go twenty twenty three. Let's say let's say twenty twenty four. Okay, how about let's go. It for has something to be healthier. a democratic president. It's got to be one of these social guys. Could you imagine if it's like weed executives lining the pockets of some Republican so hard? That oh, maybe maybe the Republicans come out and then they're the ones who steal it. Fuck. I always, I always talk about how much I hate talking politics, but I love right. speculating. Okay, listen to this. To what extent do you think uh, Trudeau won his election because he promised weed legalization while, while the conservatives didn't? How much do you think that helped? Because <sighs> it wasn't that one of the elections, if, if I don't know if I'm correct, but that the most young his, people voted. It was, his plat- it was one of his platforms to legalize. And young people voted for him. I think it drove, it possibly drove the young vote <laughs> just appealing to fucking. I'm pretty sure that's appealing, why appealing to people that smoke weed. That's just oh my god. I'm pretty sure I voted but, for him because of that. But uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Oh man, I'm pretty sure I voted him for him because of that too. But to be honest, he tur- he he turned out to be a, a muppet. Let's yeah, just to say. me, he seems like a suit. When he's talking, it just sounds like legalese. Like, I don't know what you're saying, dude. Anyways, let's just say that Justin Trudeau is just a piece of work and i'll I'll leave it at that because i hate talking about politics yeah but okay but think about we have a when's the next election next year or the year after i don't know no it's 2019 is it i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's one year before the american election even though we live in this country and i should know this yeah me too i should probably know it too but hopefully the other government if another government takes hold of us hopefully they don't decide to reverse things and set us back <laughs> takes to the, hold of us they're like <laughs> what if their platform is the war on drugs is correct we're going for the war on drugs too in canada and andrew shear is up probably there for, wouldn't, they, they probably wouldn't come in yeah right i think canada's a little too leaning on progression maybe I don't know how many voters we are progressives and how many are. You'd be surprised how many people against legalization come out of the woodwork. Once Probably it it's people who never tried. People weed. just complain. And you know what? Honestly, that's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say to people. You know what? Everybody that has never tried weed, they should take. They should at least take five deep lungfuls off of like a nice vaporizer and then come back in half an hour and tell me how they feel. Because I guarantee you... Blissful. It feels like I'm floating, but it also feels like my mind is under attack. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, there's there's some people I know that just tried edibles for the first time. They've ne- One of them had smoked once in high school and not felt it. The other one had never smoked, period. And that was just... Oh, wow. That's... Uh, um, and then they, so they asked me for edibles. So they That's took, like going off the the strongest roller coaster first. If you've yeah. never ridden a roller coaster, or like diving off the ten meter diving board <laughs> yeah. if you've never swam before. Yeah, it's like an eight hour roller coaster. So um, <laughs> the one person I'm pretty sure is like immune to edibles. They have like 50 milligrams, which is you know f- for me I feel 50 milligrams. Like I like that's I get, a lot, dude. I, I get pretty high from 50 even milligrams. 20. I got really. Um, and then the other person took about 25 milligrams to 50 i think and they said it felt very they felt very high and very off put by it and i'm like you know what it's because you you <laughs> you took 50 milligrams on like you took your, the strongest dose with like well it was honestly it was like a sixth of a chocolate bar i gave them like a mini chocolate bar so it was like take a t- like they had to take like a tiny like square centimeter cube right it, just to get like 
That was like 50 milligrams. <laughs> this is so concentrated. <laughs> but it didn't taste like weed or anything. So they're like, are you sure this is like enough? And then they took the other like. Interesting. Because, okay, there was a guy, there was a politician in the U.S. who made an ad where he flew down to Las Vegas, who's legalized now. And he was like, you know what? The rest of my fellow cabinet members or whatever the hell he represented, he's like, none of them have tried marijuana. And it's been legalized in a few of our states. So I'm going to go down there and try it for the first time. So then the next part of the video, it's him outside of a dispensary. And he's like, I just bought this little square. I think he bought an edible or he smoked. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was an edible. It was a small one. It was a gummy bear, I'm pretty sure. And then the next segment of it is him talking about it. He's like, yeah, I just failed really like I was on a cloud or something. Like he said he felt good. It was kind of weird at the same time, but nothing like alcohol or something crazy that you should be worried about. So this was somebody who had never touched this shit in his life. He's a politician. And he was like, fuck it. I'm going to be open-minded and try it at a safe level. And he was like, it was nothing to worry about. We should legal. I'm pretty sure he was trying to legalize for Utah. Is what his platform is related to. Interesting. So he was an open-minded politician. Like, I would give him a thumbs up for that. Like, instead of being one of those guys who just stonewalls and says, marijuana is the devil. This guy's never tried it. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Like, I want people who judge things from experience, not from make-believe land, you know? Especially our politician. Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I feel like... uh do you think our politicians in Canada are going to start uh, inhaling? <laughs> well, I don't know. The thing I don't get is how can you be so against it and then all of a sudden you want to try it? It's like... I know. It's not It's not human or it's not in a it's part like, of our modern cult- cultural thing. People in, all, in our modern culture right now just always like pick a team one, on something. It's like what one of my family members said. It's they They would like to try it. Um, but it's, you know, they still got to ease into it because it's for their whole lives. They were taught how bad it is and how like crazy bad it is and whatnot. Right. That's and a mental now, disease that needs to be now, taken away from our planet. And that's like, it's almost like indoctrination. You know it is. I mean? That's what it is, dude. It's literally indoctrination. It's indoctrination. Cause I man. bet you if most people tried like a small dose, like a microdose for the first time, they would not freak out. What a microdose of acid. No, no, whoa, whoa! That's a that's a narcotic that is completely illegal. We only talk about legal narcotics on this. <laughs> is something still a narcotic if it's legal? <laughs> I don't know the definition. Narc. <laughs> I'm a just I'm a I'm a narco. No, I'm not. I'm just a boy with a dream of podcasting. So, yeah. Jeff, where can people find you now? Um, they can find us on Instagram at borrow and beyond all one word or borrow and beyond.com and uh yeah you can message us on the instagram um, you guys get same day deliveries if they order with you or um, almost same day delivery so if it's if before, there's space if it's before yeah if it's before the cutoff time and shipping like we ship same day um over 500 dollars, you get free hand delivery in the lower mainland or uh free shipping outside of the lower mainland um and then yeah so it, it's uh it yeah basically like a really good service being able to get it brought right to your door you don't have to worry about right, it. right you get to meet you instead of just having like canada post show up yeah who knows if that's gonna you know pan out because of the whole strikes and everything. yeah hopefully christmas is okay yeah that's uh <laughs> that's kind of a really shitty time for canada post to go on strike right christmas time Let's hope for the best because I have to order some shit from Amazon if I'm going to travel well, soon. Well, I'm never on strike. I can always bring glass to your door. So. Right. <laughs> God bless your heart this Christmas. <laughs> Christmas, Jeff. All right. See you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>